Hello, it's Jackie Shea. Welcome to Too Sick and Naked Healing Out Loud, where we vulnerably discuss the ups and downs of healing from illness. Each episode, I interview a brand new guest with extensive experience around illness and wellness, and hopefully we will leave you feeling inspired to warrior on, as well as highly informed about something new. Hopefully we will give you a new tool for that healing toolkit you are building. Today, I have the pleasure of talking to Jill Skiba. Esthetician specializing in brows and microblading and wellness warrior. Hi, Hi. Jill. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. You're the best. Thank you so much for coming. My pleasure. So um, we're talking about Lyme disease. You have Lyme disease, and I think it's a really great topic, as obviously I have it too, and Mm -hmm. that's how we know each other. but I think a lot of people are undereducated or uneducated about Lyme. And I certainly have been coming across a lot of people asking a lot of questions lately mm-hmm. that are just so kind of fascinated because more and more is coming to the surface. Correct. So will you um, tell us a little bit about your struggle? How long have you been dealing with it? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Yes, I'm in year 24. Wow. Isn't that a dream? So you got diagnosed or you started getting sick really before anyone was paying attention? Before anyone was paying attention. It was 1994. I had been in the jungles of Brazil. I came home. I started getting sick. Actually, I went to Spain and started getting sick there. And then when I came home, I just continually got sicker and sicker and went to every single doctor and said, I think something happened in Spain. I think I got bit by something no, 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 it's not possible, it's not possible, it's not possible, it's in your head. You know, the typical thing that all Lyme sufferers go through. So for years and years, I went to different doctors and was told there was nothing wrong with me or that I had fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue, which, you know, could very well be, but they're all symptoms of a greater puzzle. And, um, yeah, I just kept getting sicker and sicker for years. So I didn't get diagnosed properly till 2012. Wow, so you were... Um, t- how many years into it you were? I think it was eighteen. Eighteen years into it. Yeah. Wow. And it's like any progressive illness; like it just got worse as the years went by, and it had gotten to the point right before I got diagnosed that I could no longer swallow food. I couldn't really walk. I'd have to like tell my leg to lift. I would have to do you know do these crazy things, all the while being told that there's nothing wrong with me and it's in my head, as I know several thousands of people are going through that right now but it's not in your head and if you know something's wrong just keep fighting and where were you living at the time that you were trying to get diagnosed in los angeles so you were in la right Mm -hmm. so even less here people knew about it than on the northeast absolutely wow that is a long time so tell us if you wouldn't mind in those 18 years you had obviously a ton of symptoms Mm -hmm. but um I guess, uh, what were your first symptoms when you got back from Brazil, if you remember? Yeah, I remember I was living in Spain. I went from Brazil to Spain. I was working in a bar, and I was, um, I started having heart palpitations. And because I was young and working in a bar, I just thought it was what I was drinking, so I switched up what I was drinking. Sure. <laughs> um, and um, that seemed to help for a little while. And then I'd get these really, really deep, deep, deep pains in my leg, like this deep, deep numbness, like way, way down in there. And uh, those were the two main things. 
And then when I came back home, it was the joint pain. It was the exhaustion. It was the brain fog. It was, it was just it, so many things. My, the bottoms of my feet would burn. Mm, and I mean, I had that too. did you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, I, I mean, everything, it went, it just, it went into every cell of my body and created havoc in some way or another, you know? It's so funny. I did not, none of that is funny, but <laughs> <laughs> I did that too when I had first started getting, cause I was one of the lucky people that got the rash. Right. So right. like I didn't go through years and years of not getting diagnosed because I had this rash on my body that was right. telltale Lyme disease. And it was 2013 when more people knew about it. Mm -hmm. But um, when I first started getting the rash and I first started getting sick, I haven't had a drink in many years. So it wasn't the drinking or the drug use. I thought it was coffee. <laughs> And I was like, I need to just get off coffee. And if I get off coffee, I'm just drinking too much caffeine. Sure, totally. And I did. I got off coffee and I remember the doctor saying, have you been tired or had, had have headaches lately since I had those rashes that pointed to Lyme? And I was like, yes, but I also quit coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and he laughed at me and he was like, okay, but you wouldn't still be that sick. And I was like, really? I don't know. <laughs> but that's lucky that you had a doctor that lucky. was aware and, and listened. It is like I don't one of, it is the luckiest. I happened yeah. to land in an urgent care. Wow. That's where I was. With a doctor who knew. With a doctor who looked at my rashes and said, have you been in the woods lately? And I was that's like. That's amazing. Uh, it is. The, that shows how far we've come. That's encouraging. It does. And also he was like very, I then went on three years of seeing doctors who weren't listening. So like, yeah, it was amazing that I just so happened to land there. But so those were your first symptoms. And then I guess in 18 years, you must have hit some really dark periods. Oh, so many, so many. And what got you through some of them? I think it's just a fighting nature. Like, you know, it's, it's hard to explain to your family and friends when you don't look ill, because we all know we had a nickel for every time, uh, for any, for every time anybody says, you know, well, you don't look sick. Um, I just knew something was wrong and I, I, doctor after doctor saying, oh, it's probably fibromyalgia. Oh, it's probably this. Oh, it's probably that. There was something inside of me that said, no, there's, there's something else. I need to find what this is. And for whatever reason, I didn't give up. You know, it took many, many, many years and many, many, many doctors. And for a while, I went completely off Western medicine because I was so frustrated. And I found a wonderful homeopath who was like the first person to believe that I was actually sick. And we worked together for three years. And she couldn't find it either, though. But what I loved about her was that she was like, I don't know what more I can do for you. I don't want to take your money anymore, which, you know, just made me love her even more. So then I went back to Western medicine, had some more horrible experiences with doctors who said I just need to see a female doctor to deal with my female issues because oh I was emotional. Um, but somewhere in there, somebody turned me on to an internist down uh, that was that worked, you know, specifically with women down in Venice. And I walked in with a giant binder that I called my Bible. And she looked at me sideways when I walked in and I said, oh, that's right. Are you going to listen to me? Because I'm it's $400 to walk into your office. So I'm going to turn around and walk out unless you're going to listen to me. And she said, I will listen. And then I showed her all my exams and I said, you know, I think it's, it could be this, it could be that. And she said, where, where were, where were you, where were you raised? 
And I instantly said, why are you asking me that question? And she brought up the Lyme disease. And I said, I've been asking for a Lyme disease test since 1994. And nobody will give it to me because they say I'm not, I wasn't raised on the East Coast. And she even said, well, you don't really fit the protocol. And I said, I don't care. Just, I just want to check it off my list. That, MS, all these things, just give me these tests. And even still, she was like, well, let's do these other tests first. And, you know, I opened my Bible with my results of all those said tests that she wanted to do. And, of course, like every doctor, she's like, oh, but my lab is better, you know. <laughs> so thousands of dollars of later, later with her tests that all came back negative, I said, can I please just have a Lyme disease test? And she still said, well, it's very expensive. And I said, could you just do it? She had the test in her office. And so she finally did, and then it lit up like a Christmas tree. And Was it Igenics? It was Igenics. Okay, so this is something I really want to talk about with you. Yeah. Um, so I have a cousin right now who's actually struggling with all of these symptoms, and she's in the South, and she can't. It's been impossible for her to get an Igenics test, and I keep telling her the only reliable Lyme disease test, hear me loud and clear, whoever is listening to this, the only reliable testing is through Igenics Lab. Correct. The Western blot, IgM and IgG. IgG. Now, it is shockingly difficult to get, sometimes, depending on where you are. But I, um, Jill, the reason Jill and I know each other is because a friend of mine put me in touch with her when I was deeply struggling with Lyme. And um, I called Jill and said, I need this hygienics test and I don't, I don't know how to do it. I don't know where to go. The lab core won't take me because they don't work with hygienics and I don't have this and I don't have insurance and blah, blah, blah. And Jill told me to go to Good Sam and that I have to get my blood drawn and then take it and mail it in through FedEx by myself. And I was so overwhelmed because I was so tired and so sick by doing that, yeah. that Jill said, I'll meet you and I'll do it with you. And she did. And she's over there shaking her hand being like, don't talk about me like this. But really it was a game. It saved my day. I had no idea what I was doing. And she said, I'll meet you in the lobby of good Sam, which is a local hospital, which is a local hospital. And, um, she, Jill has since, you have since told me that you could have picked me out from a crowd of people. I was sitting, I was hunched over. I'm sure I was very pale. I was so tired. I couldn't stand up. I couldn't hold my own head up. I mean, I don't know. You can describe what you saw. That's exactly what I saw. And I was like, oh, that's her. Because I recognized it in myself, you know. It is a it is a life draining. It drained my the life right out of my body and my face and my spirit. And my heart, like it just drained the life out of me. And Jill took me to do this. And hygienics for me also came back positive. Um, the first time I did it and the second time I did it for Lyme. And um, so I just want to make that clear that that is, it, it is expensive. It's a test you need. I personally have only done it twice because of the expense. I know you get them often. I get them a lot less now because okay. I, I suddenly I was like, well, because I have had it for so long, I also have a lot of co-infections. And in order to f- treat the Lyme, you have to get rid of these co-infections first. So I'm five years into treatment, and we're still dealing with my co-infections. So all of a sudden, I was like, why am I getting this expensive hygienics test done every time I go to my doctor? Because you know I still have Lyme. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, let's just worry about these other infections. Sure. So I, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Because the hygienics test is several hundred dollars. Yeah. So I, I, we'll get back. I'll get back to that when I'm ready to deal. Like, 
But here's how serious Lyme disease is, uh, and maybe not for everybody, but because I've been dealing with it for so long. I'm five years into treatment, and we haven't even touched the Lyme yet, and we're not even close because we're still dealing with other effects of what this disease has done to me. So I know that sounded really confusing with the hygienics thing. I just want to say one thing. Getting the hygienics test is not hard. You can go online or you can call them um, and they will send you a test kit for free. What you have to do then is find a doctor that will take your blood, give it back to you, and then mail it into hygienics to get the results. I know that's loud. Um, so, I mean, that's one thing you can do for yourself. If your doctor refuses to give you an hygienics test and says, oh, I have this other test that's just as good, don't believe them. It's not. Um, call hygienics. Get the test sent to you. Make a bunch of phone calls. Call your local hospitals. Call your local doctors and just say, can you draw my blood and give it back to me? And uh, right. and pay for it. Does well, that that's, make sense? Yeah, and that's super helpful information. Yeah. So um, I think that is actually what my cousin ended up doing but she had such a hard time finding a doctor it's who would hard. do it. And then and then she, and I'm sorry if you're listening to this cousin, I love you. But, you know, she texted me being like, um, that was so expensive. I just dropped $1,800 today. And I, I want to be like, oh, no, like get ready. Because yeah. it is such an expensive illness. I mean, illness is expensive in America, but, but... Which brings me to my next question. You pay out of pocket for your doctor because he doesn't take insurance, right? So Lyme specialists often don't take insurance Mm -hmm. because they get into wars with the insurance companies and the CDC and Lyme disease is unrecognized. That's right. So you pay a whole nother podcast. Would you mind telling us how much you pay out of pocket to see your doctor? You know, when I first started seeing my doctor, he, you know, he's to me, he's the dude. He's he saved my life. He's been at the forefront of this, you know, since the beginning. He worked with AIDS patients, and that's kind of how he found this connection, interestingly. Um, but when I first started going to him, I think it was $325, $350, and I have to see him every three months. And he's in San Francisco, so I have to travel. Um, now it's $425. And that's for a 20-minute, you know, appointment yeah you know we go in we go over my labs we discuss what's working what's not what what we need to change and then you're out the door oh my god it's a lot i mean my insurance covers my meds you know i do antibiotic treatment so it helps that but other than that everything's out of pocket it's a very expensive thing to treat and now you i'm so glad you brought up antibiotics because for my story and a lot of people know my story mm-hmm. but my story is that antibiotics um did not work for me and i had to go the natural route mm-hmm. and something i've always found so interesting about you is that and and many others is that you can't tolerate natural supplements or or natural your body reacts tell us how your body reacts to natural well it's a little bit better now but in the beginning i couldn't even take a a probiotic right and what I mean by that like I I couldn't take a vitamin c pill like I would have such violent reactions like I would be quote-unquote normal not normal but like feeling as best as I could Mm -hmm. and I would take a a probiotic and within minutes I would be violently shaking I mean like like my whole body was going to spontaneously combust from that one probiotic I wouldn't sleep for two days um, I would suddenly start crying 
And I suddenly had this real personal insight into you hear about children who get put on antidepressants and then go kill themselves. It's mm. like I would start having these feelings and these thoughts. And I'm like, wow, 20 minutes ago, I didn't feel this way. Mm-hmm. But I took a probiotic, which is natural. Do you know why? I don't know why. And no doctor could ever tell no. you why. And I mean, I would even tape them to my skin to try to like get the energy in there, try anything, and it wouldn't work. Only synthetic hardcore drugs worked for me. And you're not the only one. I actually have met a couple of people mm-hmm. since that have this have a similar story. So if you do have that story and you're listening, um, it does get better because I know that recently does. you've become a friend of celery juice. Oh, yeah. Every day. Every, Every day, day you drink your 16 ounces of celery and juice. I can t- and I take probiotics now. And you take probiotics. So mm-hmm. obviously something in the treatment protocol is, is helping you. Absolutely. I yeah. do celery juice too. We yeah. love celery juice. We it's yeah. through medical medium Anthony William, and um, I tell everyone about it because yeah. it cha- for me it helped me gain weight, and for you yeah. your nails started growing right, I mean, like crazy strong nails. Yeah, which is so cool. Yeah, I love that. Um, so that it's really good for the digestion, not just right. I know your nails. I mean, look when you're sick and you're dealing with stuff, you end up talking about bowel movements like. <laughs> Like nothing. Like nothing. <laughs> Everyone you talk to that's sick, you're like, so how's your bowel movements? No way. You're holding food? So cool. <laughs> I've gained 20 pounds since I was, so yeah. when I was most sick, I was down to 95 pounds. And Yeah, you look great. Thank you. You look great. So do you. But I love, that's the main thing people notice is like, you're holding weight. Mm-hmm. And I am uh, very grateful for that. So um, this is so great. So... Will you just tell us, obviously, it sounds like you were in Brazil and you were in Spain, so you love to travel. I do. It kind of feeds my soul. Right. So what was life like before you got bit by a tick? A day in the life. Yeah. A day in the life. I I lived. I worked. I I had fun. I mean, I was, I'm 53 now. Good God. Um, So, I mean, I spent my whole 20s having a blast, you know, and just living my life. Um. And then I was in Brazil and it took a long, it took a while to put together, you know, cause I left there and then I went to Spain and then that's when I started getting ill. And then when I moved back home is when I really started cause I was in Spain, I was partying all the time. I wasn't paying enough attention to my own body. Um, and then it just was never the same. It just got worse every year. It's just, it's just this insidious, horrible thing. Yeah. What a drag I'm being. Do you ever drink now? You know what? I had a drink last night and it made me so sick. (laughs) I was like, okay, this is why we don't do this. And I miss a good beverage. I really do. And I miss chocolate and I miss, I miss so many things. But, you know, I think, um, we were talking before we started that I've been in a really dark place lately. And, uh, and I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, when you are sick like this, there are so many things you cannot do any longer, and it's really hard to stay the course. And so I went really off the rails. And my off the rails is sugar, which mm-hmm. is highly addictive. It feeds all the bad bacteria that's keeping me sick, and I would eat just truckloads of it, like just trays of brownies a day. You know what I mean? It's and uh, yeah. 
but it keeps you sick a lot longer. It does, yeah. So I've gotten off all of that, and then in the, at, at the same time, I decided I was going to get off all my sleep meds and all these other meds that I just felt weren't working anymore, and I'd gone from taking 10 milligrams five years ago to over 200 milligrams a night just to sleep, and then I was taking things for nausea and this and that, and so in the last few months, I just kind of cut it all out, which is great, but... Um, I think I did it all a little bit too fast. Like I should have maybe weaned myself off of some stuff. So in the interim, I've had a really, really sick couple of months, but I'm hoping this is a lot of die off and clean cleaning out. And then, you know, I'm on my way home because I feel like I'm feeling really strong right now, stronger than I have in a while. And is your sickest now ever as bad as your sickest before getting diagnosed no it's no. different though okay it's different it's like die off stuff yeah well like being sick before it's like you almost learned how to just live with it because mm-hmm. it just is what it is and it's it's scary and it's all those things um with diagnosis and with all the medications and with all the restrictions and with all the things you learn um treating Lyme disease isn't like you take medicine and you suddenly feel better Treating Lyme disease is you take medicine or however you're doing it, like with you did with the blood. It's like, and then you get 10 times sicker. And then you get rid of one infection and you're like, okay, good. I feel good for a minute. And then you start over on the next thing and then the next thing. And then you find out that the first thing you got rid of is now back. So it's this constant cycle of feeling bad and then feeling good and then feeling bad and then feeling good. So it's a different sort of feeling I don't know how else to explain it yeah well you've been at this a really long time you know you have like you have one of those cases like one of the reasons why we need to bring awareness to Lyme disease is because people can't go 18 years before they get diagnosed like your body is has had so much happen to it and Mm -hmm. that is you know really it's tragic in many ways. It is. It is. I've learned a lot. Yeah. You know, there's gifts in everything. There's, uh, I've learned how to take care of myself better because I had never did that. I always took care of my family and my friends and that's just my nature. So yeah. it's hard to kind of turn in, turn in, although I'm probably way too good at it now. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you learn a lot. I also know there's nothing I can't do. You know, it's like once you've been through something like this, it's like, fuck it. Like, yeah bring it on. Right. You know what I mean? There's, there's, there's not a lot you can't do once you've been through something like this. Yeah. No, I know. It's absolutely true. So, so tell me about some of the gifts, the gifts that you've experienced due to, due to being sick. I mean, you're, you're an incredible friend. Oh, do you think, do you think that that has changed? I think that's changed, but I think that I was probably more of an incredible friend before I got sick. Oh, okay. (laughs) I think I'm still a really good friend and a really good family member and a really good all of that. But I think that uh, I'm much more selfish now, but in the way that is necessary. Yeah. I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know how to be that. So if by saying being selfish is a gift... Yeah. It is for me. Well, self-care is not selfish. Yeah. So so tell us about your self-care regimen. Like what does that look like for you? You know, I work less. I used to work a lot. Oh my gosh. Even on like back before diagnosis, you know, it was like you still tell yourself that maybe you're just crazy and maybe you're just lazy and maybe just Mm -hmm. this. And I'd gotten to the point where the Lyme had gone into my brain and I would get lost driving home from work. 
and I've lived in the same place for years. Um, and that's kind of when you have to stop. So for me, self-care is resting. And if that means a lot, that means a lot. Mm -hmm. Lately, it's a lot. I've watched a lot of Game of Thrones lately. Great. (laughs) I love it. But you know, it's, it's, it's resting. It's being quiet. You know, I don't have to talk on the phone to tell everybody everything, you know, and do you meditate? I meditate. I do a lot of meditation and I still travel even when I'm sick. Well, that's one of your triumphs, right? Absolutely. You, you started traveling again, which is a huge triumph that you've had. Um, so what was the first trip you took? Um, I think the first trip I took was to Italy and that was a few years ago. And I went and I was scared because right before I went, I was in the hospital, um, with Lyme related shit. And I dropped down to, I'm five foot three and I dropped down to like um, under 108 pounds and I was very weak, but I left and I did it anyway. And I went with shit tons of drugs, like just my, uh, the whole suitcase full of drugs. And it was the most amazing trip I ever had. It was, I went with a, with a girlfriend who understood and there were quiet times and there were fun times. And it just, it just, it just fed, it just fed my soul on a level that I've never found anything else that does. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. If people are thinking about traveling now, I, I understand. I definitely was really adventurous. And when I got very sick, you know, I couldn't travel when I was dying. I couldn't travel obviously, but, but now I'm not dying and I actually feel pretty good most of the time. I, um, I, you know, for me, it's super scary to, to do things that are out of my comfort zone because what if I have insomnia? What if I end up in pain? What if I, you know, I have all these yes. fears attached. What to, if they take to, my meds away at the at the, the airport? Yeah, I have all this fear attached to being free and and spontaneous now that I didn't used to have. Although mm-hmm. it's getting better. So, what would you suggest to people that are actually feeling sick? Um, because you were feeling sick when you left. Yeah. Um, well, it doesn't have to be a big trip like mine. You know what I mean? Go visit a friend in you know another state or do a road trip. And what do you suggest they, they take with them or how do they, you know, make sure that it's like, um, going to be a good trip? Like, you know what I would, I would download some really great meditations Mm -hmm. because sometimes when I'm sick, I can't do my own meditation. It like my brain just, I can't shut my brain down. I can't focus. I can't do anything. The other, there's another thing too, is I, because I have a, such a sensitive nervous system that I actually hear it. So I hear my own nervous system. It's like white noise in my head 24 hours a day. So sometimes it's really hard to quiet that. So I always have, you know, you can download them on YouTube or whatever and just have those with you. And if you need them, just listen to those. And that always gets strength. I always get strength from from that. I can always get back up if I'm on vacation and walk to dinner or do something. You know, it's like just have something there that can calm you, calm your fears, calm just calm you down. Right. Not running with the story that happens when you feel the symptom. Yeah. So for me, like a big shift was, um, you know, if I had a, if I had knee pain in a moment to not run with the story that of was course. like, Oh my God, knee pain, Lyme disease, ugh, death. Like <laughs> <laughs> that was, how always, am I, how are they going to get my body home from here? Yeah. That yeah. was always the story because yeah. previously when I was super sick, that, that was kind of the way it went. Sure. But now, or, or when I started doing fun things again, it was just about like, Oh, that's knee pain. That's just knee pain. Yeah. 
And what am I doing right now? Staying focused in the present moment. That's right. Um, so I love that. And audiobooks too, like anytime audio you're on books. the plane. And for all your people listening uh, with any disease, but Lyme disease specifically, it's like if you've had any of it affect your brain, you can't read. I still don't read novels anymore, which I miss tremendously. But audiobooks can help so much. They can take you away. You can listen to them on a plane. You can listen to them on a beach. You can listen to them in a front yard you know what I mean it's stuff like that really really helps yeah I got an audible subscription uh-huh. um very uh early on when I was very sick I asked my mom to get me an audible subscription because I couldn't read anymore I do I do now read a lot but like I I couldn't um I couldn't even watch tv actually yeah, sometimes it's hard so I would just listen to um self-compassion by Kristen Neff mm-hmm. on repeat or Louise Hay um you can heal your Louise life hey, they, she, they just had a uh oh i love that book i've given that book to so many people um they just had a psychic um seminar um that you could download for a week online and this last week has been particularly a rough one for me and so every morning when i wake up there'd be three or four that i could just listen to so i'd get up at like six o'clock in the morning and just listen to three or four different healers or you know speakers just talk and meditate and Stuff like that is great. It's amazing. So you get up at 6 a.m. Yeah. That's because you're off of your sleeping meds. That's because I'm off my sleeping meds. Which And so I think sleeping meds are a really good point. I struggled really badly with insomnia when mm-hmm. I was um, very sick. And they put me on everything. I mean, I was on Ambien. I was on Klonopin. I was on um, Trazodone. All, uh, Trazodone made me suicidal. Yeah, and you, Trazodone's hardcore. You helped me notice that. I was like, I feel really suicidal. And yeah. you were like, what are you taking? And I was like, Trazodone. <laughs> Trazodone gave me the craziest nightmares. Like, it made me scared to go to sleep. Oh, God. Yeah, Trazodone is not good not a joke so i don't take sleeping meds anymore really i take a a natural tranquil sleep melatonin thing um but i think that it's important to talk about medication and this comes up with a lot of people i talk to so pain between painkillers and sleep meds and things that we're and managing nausea right all the things that we take um when we get really sick so you were on a bunch of different meds Mm -hmm. and you were taking meds to manage the symptoms of the other meds. Correct. <laughs> like taking Ativan for the nausea because you were nauseous from the sleeping pills. Sleeping pills. <laughs> that I was mixing. That you were mixing. And I'm not a big pill person. I Yes, I'm, I'm on antibiotics for this. It saved my life. I will do it. I don't love it. You know, I look forward to not being on medicine. But when you don't sleep, it your whole world is, it's just... You become desperate. You you just become desperate. So I had two, if my doctor's listening, sorry, doctor, that, you know, he would have me go between. Because, again, I was, I I got off the trazodone because that is nuts. And then I was doing Seroquel, which is an antipsychotic, but taken in small doses. And then um, Elevil. And sometimes one worked better than the other. But it got to the point where none of them were working that well. So then I started layering them, and then I would take, Ativan because it was good for nausea and I was just I was just taking so many pills and then I still wasn't really sleeping so then I was just a drugged out zombie for Ugh. the whole next day oh my god so one day I was just like I'm just done and I just stopped 
And that's been recently, I think that's why I've been so emotional. I think like we talked about, there's a lot of die off going on. There's a lot of things happening. So I'm not feeling so great right now, but I'm hoping that this is the start of, you know, a new beginning. Yeah. It sounds like it is. I mean, getting off. I'm sleeping. And you're sleeping. Tells it, and you're sleeping six hours, seven hours. Seven hours without interruption. That hasn't happened in 25 years. Yes, it's amazing. Yeah. I love hearing people talk about how they're sleeping again because I started sleeping again and it changed my life. It's amazing. Um, Sleep is so essential and... uh, I don't know what it is about Lyme or illness maybe in general, but yeah, the insomnia piece was, was like hell. That's what made the whole thing like hell for me. Um, so you're sleeping and you're off the meds and it's really hard to get off medication. I mean, yeah, I would suggest waning yourself off. I didn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) I just decided fuck it. And I just threw them away. Yeah. And I, I think I'm paying for that physically, like my stomach's a little bit jacked up, but um, but it worked for me. Right. No, it's great. I yeah. mean, you know, sometimes you just got to throw them away. I yeah. remember dumping a whole bottle of Klonopin in the toilet because I was like, I don't even want to see these. Yeah. Like they made me feel so bad. Yeah. I just need to get yeah. rid of them and I don't care. I and, hear you. Um. I remember too being before I got any sleeping pills that would work or they were giving me like trazodone and then the trazodone wouldn't work. So I'd take Dramamine and then the Dramamine wouldn't work. So I'd take Benadryl and then I'd be on Benadryl, Dramamine and trazodone and awake. And awake. (laughs) And awake. That's such a horrible component to this illness because you could do all that and then you'd be awake. You're tired as can be. But you're laying there going, it is not coming. And isn't that, and so many people, bless their hearts, my friends, family would be like, maybe maybe if you got some exercise and you tire yourself out, and I'd be like, hmm, haven't slept in four nights. Am I tired? Hmm, I don't know. And then, you know, and then I would try it. I would do the exercise. And or feel worse, right? I would feel, I would be in more pain. Yeah. Yeah, that was back when, now exercise works for me, but back then exercise would cause so much inflammation that I, it would be so painful. I'd have to like ice pack my whole body and it was a thing. Um, or people would be like, drink chamomile tea and take a bath. And I'd be like, Oh, Hmm. Have I done that? I don't, you know, and it's like people come up with these suggestions. And the truth is, is like something in my body that is more powerful than any of that stuff is keeping me awake. And I used to say it was like the devil was trapped. Satan was trapped inside of my body. That's what it felt like at night. I get it. Um, thank God I do not feel that way now. I mean, that there's nothing worse. There's nothing worse than every part of your body hurting. You're scared. You don't know what's happening half the time. And then you just can't sleep. And you're just like, oh, my God, I feel so tired. I'm so excited. I'm going to go lay down. And the second you put your pillow down, your head on a pillow, you're wide awake. Yeah. You're wide awake. It's terrible. And not for just hours, for days. 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 Speaking of which, you um, you work. You've been working. You yeah. never stopped working. No. I did cut back, but... You've been working since you got since you got sick. Yeah. And it was really hard. And Pete, that's another thing I noticed that people have a hard time understanding. Like, but how did you work? And I didn't work. I did a fundraiser and I there was a period of time where I didn't really work. 
I did keep auditioning and I would do like a commercial here and there, but I wasn't really working. But you continued to work nonstop on your feet yeah. as an esthetician. Um, and so you had to. Well, yeah, I, I had to because I don't have, I'm not married. Mm-hmm. I don't have a second income. I don't have family members that can help. I don't, I'm also very prideful. You know, it's like mm-hmm. I don't want to ask for anything. But I didn't really have an option. I had to work to pay my bills. I just, I had to. And you had to pay for the doctor. And I had to pay for the doctor because that's all out of pocket. So, yeah, you, I had to work. And it was torture. It was torture. Did you ever file for disability? You know, I thought about it, and then I didn't, and then I so regretted it later down the line. And I'll tell you why. Because I knew how sick I was. And I knew that I was only getting sicker. But there was something about me that didn't want to take away from somebody else who might need it more. Or, you know, maybe it was the thing about not wanting to admit. It's like getting um, the handicap placard. Somebody had told me years ago just to get it. And I was like, no, no, no. And then finally I got it. And it was like, oh, my God, this thing has saved my life. Especially where I work. It's kind of like the streets of San Francisco in L.A. Like there's no parking. And when you do park, you're parked five miles up the road and it's up a steep hill and there would be days where I couldn't even walk to my car so getting that handicap placard like was such a lifesaver but yet I was my own worst enemy at times I'm not I don't know if I'm explaining this well but like oh I don't want to go on disability I don't want to be that person or you know I don't want to get the handicap I you know I feel like a fraud and these are things people really need to take advantage of that's what they're there for and it's unfortunate that that's the um that that's like the the stigma around Lyme disease is like you're not really sick. Oh yeah. You know, like you don't you don't look sick. You're working, and you're like, I can't walk to my car. Yeah, I can't walk to my car. So and what's so funny when people say that you don't look sick? I can look back at pictures over the last two decades, and to me, I look sick in every single picture. But because it be because it becomes your norm, people think you look the same like I I feel like I look just empty behind the eyes Mm -hmm. or like I'm smiling through so much pain that to me I feel like I look sick every day but I could put makeup on or you know but what they didn't know is when I was at home sitting on the couch thinking I need to take this bowl over to the sink would cause me to break down in tears because that seemed like such an undoable chore yeah but it's not undoable today no so that's amazing. So yeah. let's talk about some of your triumphs. Yeah. You've, you travel again. I do. It's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. You, you have a new business, a microblading yeah. business that you've started. Yeah. Which is like amazing. I know it's very stressful and I know that it's a lot to own your own business. Yeah. And start. <laughs> it's like, I, I decided to start that and, um, go off all my meds at the same time. <laughs> sure. Because you're your own worst enemy. Because, yeah, why not? But no, it's fantastic. And then the fact that I have the energy to do so is amazing. Right. And you're sleeping. That's actually a really big... I mean, that's probably the biggest thing of all. It's a really big triumph. Um, what else? Is there anything else that you feel like you've come so far? You know what? I think for the first time in a really long time, I'm looking forward to the future. <gasps> Oh, like I'm planning. I'm always planning somewhere to go because for me personally, that's what I need to do. Like I always have to have something to look forward to. But as far as my actual life, like I'm looking forward to like looking at places where I'm going to move and, you know, 
take my business with me and maybe have it in, you know, here and then wherever I go, if I stay, you know, in Southern California, uh, you know, and then just come up to LA a couple times a week or whatever. It's like, I'm in the process of planning, which I haven't been in, I haven't done in years. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. That's really amazing. I'm really looking forward to life. That makes me really, really excited for you. (laughs) Will you just tell us, I just like to end with, um, what your number one holistic recommendation is for people? What the number one thing is that helped you holistically? Well, this may sound a little silly. Finding the right person. Like I, I, I found Dr. Kenny for anybody who's in LA. She's an Altadena. She's amazing. Um, Again, I couldn't take anything she had to offer me for years because it was all natural based, but I still saw her two or three times a week for, for years. And we just worked together and her spirit and her soul kept me alive. So finding a doctor or a practitioner that really like fills, fills your well. Yeah. And I, gives you, gives you energy. Yes. Doesn't and, zap and your energy, but gives zap you energy. your energy, believes in you. And this sounds really creepy, but when I was at my sickest and I think I told her this probably scared the hell out of her. Um, I just said, I just want to crawl up inside your belly and just sleep there. Like she was so comforting. Yes. And so compassionate and so good. I love that. She just wants to do good and she just wants to help people. Do you still see her? I saw her the other day. Oh, I love it. Yeah. That's so important. And it's true for me too. Even the practitioners that I see that might not help me as much as certain doctors, I I see, but they do help me in spirit because I walk away from them feeling so alive and so excited and so heard heard and loved. And, um, you know, doctors often do not make me feel that way. I leave leave feeling much more drained Mm -hmm. than I do, um, you know, hopeful. Yeah. So that is, I love that bit of advice. Like definitely find some practitioner, whether it's, whether it's your main doctor or yes, an acupuncturist. Who, who, exactly. Whoever that is for you. Yeah. But I feel like the relationship you have with that person is more important than even what they're having you put inside your body. Yes. A doctor who listens. Yeah. Is everything. It's everything. It's everything. That's great. So I love that. And what about um, conventionally? Uh, well, my my doctor, up, he's up in North uh, Northern California, Dr. Stricker, um, he's... He's another one. He's different. He's conventional medicine, but he's open to all kinds. Um, but he's like a big teddy bear, and he 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 saved my life. And so, you know, people say, "Why don't you find a doctor down here?" And I'm sure I could. At this point, I'm healthy enough that I could probably find someone here to ma- maintain it. But like, I don't know. He's just he's my guy, and he you know he's he's. He saved my life. So he's another one that I just, am I answering the question correctly? I don't oh, remember. Oh, sorry. No, I mean, you are. Um, the question really is what, what conventionally is the thing that you would, what conventional medicine is something you would 
rate as the thing that worked best for you. But oh, well, the antibiotics. And I mean, and it's not easy. They, they rip up your stomach and they do things, you know, it's, it's, it's not always easy, but it worked for me. Like any any antibiotic or well i'm i'm on a different cocktail all the time right right (laughs) so it's hard to say really switching up your antibiotics a lot to keep the the lime from getting smart enough that's right that's right and you know you have i have different infections to treat that require different you know meds right but what's great is a lot of the meds i take treat many things so maybe we're focusing on the babesia or the h pylori or the ehrlichia but even some of what I'm taking there also helps treat the right. Lyme. So, right. So antibiotics and and, and different cocktails and yeah. different cocktails. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's different for everyone. We are not doctors here. We no. are speaking on our experience. If you like anything you heard today, please take it to your doctor and ask yeah. <laughs> if it's right for you. Um, everything we talk about, like I said, is through our personal experience no one is an md and it is not suggested that you try them without um correct getting some advice some professional (laughs) advice um to learn but we know our shit but we do know our (laughs) experience um offers a lot of of wisdom actually um learn more about jill at ticked off Dot us that's t-i-c-k-e-d-o-f-f dot u-s and you can learn about her story and some others and if you want to learn about jill's incredible um microblading work <laughs> you can go to skibamicroblading.com and also look for her on instagram at micro microblading correct um and i can attest to what an incredible job she does on brows i'm gonna schedule an appointment with her right now thank you brows um <clears throat> among other things <laughs> thank you jill you're welcome thank love you so you. much love you too and to everyone listening thank you for listening and we'll talk to you next time bye bye